You are about to enjoy a presentation recorded at the 2021 Michigan Conference Camp Meeting held at Cedar Lake, Michigan. We pray that the Lord will bless you as you listen. Father in heaven, thank you so much for this opportunity to be here. I know that marriage is very important in your eyes, and maybe not everybody here is married, but we know that whatever is going to be shared today is something that um, is going to be a blessing to us and help us to be able to take away what each of us individually needs to have. Thank you so much for Lori and her willingness to share. I pray that you will just speak through her. And again, we just thank you for your presence here and for your spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Now, I know she won't want me to say it, but Gail is married to the president of the Michigan Conference, and we love her. She's very involved in family life and marriage, and she's the one who puts on our beautiful marriage retreats every year, one at Crystal Mountain in the Cadillac area, and one at Camp Asabo. How many of you have taken advantage of some of those? And we are really appreciative of all the work that she does, and she makes them really special for everybody. So today we're going to be talking about marriage commitment. Commitment. But first of all, I want to just tell you a little story. You know, in the summers, we sometimes got to go on wonderful family vacations. I hope that you get to go on family vacations. And one summer, my folks got some really good friends from the Detroit area um, that asked them if they would like to go to their cottage in Tupper Lake, New York. Well, it is an area with lots of islands. It was beautiful. And we had to go by boat to this little island. It was so wonderful. In the morning, I mean, there was no gas. There was no um, electricity. There was no sewage. And yet, we loved being out there. We would play games by kerosene lamp at night. And in the morning, my brother and I would have to swim over to a little island that had burned because when it burns, I guess blueberry trees, wild blueberries grow on those islands. So we would take our bucket on our head and we'd swim over to that other island. We'd pick all these blueberries and then we'd swim back with that bucket back and then we would make blueberry pancakes in the morning over the fire. It was just one of those perfect things. But the worst thing, I mean, if you could say the worst thing was that they all wanted us to learn how to water ski. I don't have one of those bones in my body that would stand up on a water ski. And they were sure that they could teach me how to water ski. And so um, every time that they would pull on the, on the cord, I'd be trying to stand on that thing, and I'd go head first. Any of you ever never got up on water skis? And you know what they told me? They gave me this advice. They said, no matter what happens, don't let go, even if you feel like you're falling, Make sure you hold on. And so one time I held on so long that I don't know why I didn't get whiplash because I was holding in the water and with my head down and I was going head first along with the boat. And they said, you need to learn when to let go. <laughs> I think that there are lots of people who are just me, you know, merely holding on, but they aren't really living what they need to live in a marriage. And if you have a partner that's willing to come for the ride, it can be really good if you really work on it. But when you are just going for the ride and you aren't really working on anything, you actually add to your marriage's 
dis- demise. Would you say that? And so um, we need to be very cautious because this is an institution that was created by God where we simply don't just ignore the signs of a breaking marriage, but we actually get very involved. Commitment. Can you tell me what some words, some other words are for the word commitment? Dedication. What was that? Promise. Self-sacrifice. Whoa, that's not what we always think about when we're talking about a beautiful wedding and how I'm going to look in my gown. Yeah. Anything else? Loyalty to this specific spouse that we've chosen. Yep. Faithfulness. Do you think that that is not as evident and important to people today? And so, really, people who are willing to go through a marriage, actually, a lot of people go, well, I'm just not, I don't really want to commit to somebody. What if it goes wrong? They're often thinking about themselves, aren't they? Like, if it goes wrong, I don't want to be stuck in a marriage. And so, you'll see that a lot of people are not getting married, and a lot of people who are getting married are not sticking in for the long haul. And so it can be a big issue. Um, Marriage commitment. If you know that you've made a marriage commitment, it's very serious to God about your commitment. Would you agree? I mean, making a, a vow with God is very important. And if you are needing to work on your marriage day by day, aren't there many days when we mess up and we don't do what we're supposed to do? I mean, Royce and I, Every day, um, we're supposed to be working on it, and there are days when we have not done a very good job of it. But we know that we can keep on working on it, right? Every day is a new day to do the right thing. So, I believe that God believes in vows, and he takes them very seriously. Ecclesiastes 5, 4 and 6, 4 to 6, Eastern, Eastern Standard Time. No, I don't think so. ESV. When you vow a vow to God, do not delay paying it, for he has no pleasures in fools. Did you get that? So people who are wise will hold on to their vow. But people who are foolish don't hold on to the vow. Pay what you vow. It is better that you not vow than you should vow and not pay. Did you get that? It's better that you should not vow and not I mean, right? You should make sure that you're keeping your vow. Let not your mouth lead you into sin. Your mouth, when you vow with your mouth, don't let it lead you into sin. And do not say before the messenger that it was a mistake. Why should God be angry at your voice and destroy the work of your hands? How important were vows to God? How many of you would say, very important? Would you? Okay. Here's another one. James 5, 12. But above all, my brothers, do not swear either by heaven or earth or by any other oath, but let your yes be yes and your no be no, so that you will not fall under condemnation. If you break the vow to God, you will fall under what? Condemnation. That's pretty serious. Numbers 32. If a man vows a vow to the Lord or swears an oath to bind himself by a pledge, He shall not break his word, 
Did you think that the Bible had all this about vows? This is really something. There were many more, let me tell you. He shall do according to all that proceeds out of his mouth. So we can't say one thing and not do it. God is not honored by that. Very important. Here's another one, Psalm 61.8. So I will ever sing praises to your name as I perform my vows day after day. We take vows not only in marriage, but where? During baptism, right? God is not honored when we break our vows. It is a commitment that we are making to him. So, now I wanted to move on to love. You know, there are many people who go, I just don't feel romantic about my husband anymore. Or, you know, I'm, I love him, but I'm not in love with him. Have you ever heard that? It's kind of common, isn't it? So let's just talk about what kind of love that is. Do you know about the love? There is, let me see, there's eros love, philo love, and agape love. Which one would you think that is? Eros. So eros love is physical or sexual love. That's when you go, oh, I feel my heart flutter. I just feel a real compassion towards that person. And they are really excited. Men can't stand girly movies. Is that what I hear? Is that true, men? Because the women expect you to touch her face, and if she gets mad, you're supposed to chase after her. That's what happens in those movies. Well, um, it's romantic, right? And it's not always realistic. However, do you think there's a place for Eros love in a Christian marriage? Absolutely. How is it that we can keep romantic love going? And that would be, anybody, ideas out there? Spending time together. You know what? When you spend time together, it's very important, and you continue to work on your relationship. Can you think of anything else that you... Oh, spending time, I'm going to put a little more. We should be dating our spouse. We should be putting it on the calendar instead of just saying it's a nice idea and not getting to it. Very important. Dating our, our spouse. Anything else that you can think of? Flirting. Now, people would go, really? Is that appropriate? Absolutely. Too many times, couples are much more intense, and that makes it all work and no play and no fun. We really need to be um, playful, enjoying each other. Remember David hugging his wife, and then the king saw and saw that wasn't his sister. Remember that? Like loving, affectionate, etc. Those are really important. We want to keep the chemistry alive. And that's also making time for intimacy. Hmm. People who are intimate actually do better. They forgive more. They work together. They love their children better. They forgive more. Actually, intimacy is very important. If it's important, and the Bible says that it's important, and it says that you can leave it off when you're, you're doing your worship and, and you're fasting, but it doesn't say anything else. If it's important, it's important to schedule it. Isn't that interesting? People need to schedule times so that making sure that that is fulfilled because that is very important. This is a time when too many of us put all these other things ahead of time, and this is a significant thing. It also um, makes us have a risk for um, other relationships with other inappropriate relationships. So actually making time for intimacy is very important. Don't let that part fall into disrepair. 
Philos love. Anybody know what Philos love is? Yeah, that's a family love. Friendships or whatever. Matthew 10.37 says that love for a father and a mother or a son or daughter is philos love. That's what they recommend. I mean, what they are talking about there. Philos was the word that Jesus used as his love for Lazarus. Is it good to have brotherly affection for each other? Absolutely. Are you supposed to be thrilled that somebody is being a good mother or father of your children? Or that they're devoted? Or that they're in a family way, they want to spend time with their family? Absolutely. So it's very, very important. Agape love. That's what God talks about. What is agape love, by the way? That's unconditional I choose to love you no matter what. Sometimes you might want to grit your teeth when you say that. I remember that in my wedding, um, Ted Wick from the Pacific Union College at that time said, no longer is it your love that will keep your marriage together, it'll be your marriage that keeps your love together. In other words, if you have chosen a partner and you're giving a vow it's not going to be only held by if you have feelings of love. It's going to be that you choose to be with them whether you feel that way or not. What if the mailman just didn't feel like delivering his mail to you that day? Yeah. Well, oh, you, you, you would think that was a good thing. Is that what you're saying? Oh. What if it was love letters from your wife, though? What if it was a check from the government? Yeah, another $1,000. Like, you know, it would be kind of important. You'd be sitting by the road, wouldn't you? Camping in a tent or, I don't know, just waiting for him to put it in the box. What if we decided that we're not going to go to church unless we feel like going? Yeah, we're having problems with that, aren't we? A lot of people are like, it's so fun to stay in your jammies and stay at home and don't want to go to church anymore. And we need to recognize that we're worshiping God. And the same thing goes with our marriage. Because we've chosen a partner, we need to do our best. I've had people say, but they're not doing their best. They're not working at it. They've disappointed me. They're not meeting my needs. And I'm like, God has asked you to do your very best, no matter what, right? You do your part. By the way, do people ever, we can't say that we're trying to change a spouse, but do people change when people act in an appropriate way. I remember this story. I believe it's a true story. I saw it written in a magazine um, that was a Christian magazine. And it was about a woman that was hateful towards her husband. And she came in and told the pastor she just couldn't stand her husband anymore, that he was on her last nerve. And she just was annoyed with his behaviors and the way he talked and even the way he cleared his throat. Everything was just annoying her. And the pastor said, well, the only way I could think of to really hurt the, you know, you said that he hurt you terribly. The only way I can think of to hurt him back is why don't you act like the best wife, like he's just the best thing you've ever met. And just, and she's like, oh, really? And she, he said, yeah, you know, serve him and love him and say compliments to him and then tell him when you're, you know, after a couple of weeks that you're going to divorce him. And she said, well, now that's a great idea. And he said, now I'd like you to come back in three weeks after you you know, do this little experiment, see how it goes, see if you really hurt him. She went, okay. Well, they had an appointment, and she never made it. And he called her. He called her a couple of times. He finally got a hold of her, and he said, so have you made plans to divorce your husband? She said, 
Why would I want to do that? We're totally in love again. And like, isn't that the truth? Is that sometimes when we are a good person and we treat somebody, that actually the ice melts off of their hearts. So we need to do the best thing. And actually, how many of you heard of Emerson Egrets? Have you heard of Emerson Egrets? He talks about love and respect. And he says a lot of um, men say, well, you know, I just... I don't always feel love for my wife because she's so disrespectful. And, and lots of women say, well, you know, I don't really love him because I'm so annoyed with him. And so why, how can I respect him? You know, because the Bible says that we need to, the men are supposed to love their wives and the women are supposed to respect their husband. And so he said, instead of doing that, you know, instead of just thinking of it that way, why not act respectful even when you don't feel like it, right? Why not... Just um, show love for somebody when you don't feel like it. And so when one of them starts to act respectful, the other one starts to act more loving. And when somebody acts more loving, the people feel more respectable. I mean, they feel like respecting them more. So it's pretty amazing that if we do what we're supposed to do, it's very important. And that's actually a true picture of God's agape love, isn't it? Wouldn't you wonder why he wouldn't just blot us from the earth and say he's had enough of this world and what's going on? Like, hasn't he had about enough of us? And yet he loved us before we were even, you know, when we didn't even give our hearts to him, right? Agape love is perfect love. And it says that God loves us unconditionally. Most of us didn't throw our kids out because they had a messy diaper, right? But we would throw out an adult, maybe. And so we need to recommend, I mean, recognize that it's very important that we are going to be committed no matter what. All right. Our vows. How many of you had a vow and it was for better or for worse? You know what? I actually took that out of my vows. It just scared me. Do you ever think that your marriage could be for worse? How many of you have gone through some really tough times as a couple. How many of you? Okay. A sickness, a death, pain with your family member, somebody's behavior in your family, relationship. And guess what? There are many people who get divorces over that. My husband and I are building a house right now. I heard that there are lots of people that divorce over building a house. They never agree on anything. Have you ever heard of that? Yeah. Well, it hasn't happened yet, but I can tell you I've had some annoying moments. Yeah. But guess what? We're committed. And we often repeat that that was said in our wedding. It's no longer our love that holds our marriage together. It's our marriage that holds our love together. Yeah. Don't always feel it, but we continue to practice it, and it works. Marriage is a covenant, and man did not create marriage. God created it. He's a loving God, and he allowed another human being to help fill up our love bucket here on earth. And sometimes we don't ever feel it. By the way, Mrs. White says that love is a what? Did she say it was a feeling? She said it was a principle. What is a principle? Something you do because it's the right thing to do. Isn't that interesting? We choose to love our spouse because we are committed and because we made a vow to God, and it's our commitment that holds our love together. There are 
couples that you know that when things are not going well, by the way, did you know that the, um, the statistics show that the fastest divorce rate, I have to think the most common divorce age group, no, I have to think how to say this, the, um, the most divorces occur within two years of the marriage. Did you know that? How many of you have known people that have broke up within two years? Okay, yeah. So that's interesting. What do you think that's about? Well, the honeymoon stage is over. The euphoria is gone. The feelings are, are moving on, and now we're getting into reality. This is when the hard work begins, and people are like, I'm out of here. I'm not going to do that. I didn't sign up for this. So that's what's going on. Actually, what's another phase? Do you know another time when people divorce? It's very common. What? The empty nest syndrome. Yep. Yeah, you know, the wife no longer has all the responsibilities of the kids. And so she's thinking about what she's going to do. I don't know, take China painting and go shopping with her friends and go on women's trips or whatever. And he is starting to realize that, you know, work isn't everything. And that he's going to be probably retiring some point. And so he's like, he calls her on the phone and he goes, Hi, honey, I'm coming home soon. What's for dinner? And she's like, I don't know, there's something in the refrigerator, just go ahead and get it. And he's like, oh, but I'll be home soon. And she's like, but I'm going to be gone for the evening. I, I'm like, well, he's like, when are you coming home? And so he gets needy, and she starts getting annoyed because she's been coordinating the household all up to this time, and she's wondering why he keeps asking her so many questions when she's feeling freedom. And so that's another big time, is emptiness. That's the second half of marriage, and that is a time when a lot of people are breaking up their commitment. By the way, are there couples that get stronger instead of weaker after a problem? Have you ever appreciated something your spouse did for you when you were going through a hard time? Or they kept things together while you were going through the hard time? Or they kept praying for you? Or they encouraged you, and that's really important. I think about a couple. Um, the mother was working, and the father was home with his three children. And he was changing a diaper, and he lost, um, lost this two-year-old by not watching. He was in the bedroom doing a diaper. Now, you know, that's pretty normal, right? Didn't know where the two-year-old went. He wasn't worried because he just didn't hear them. And when, when he was done with the diaper, he went out, and he said, where is so-and-so? I don't remember the name of the child. And he looked around the house, and they weren't there, and he got this terrible panicked feeling. And he went outside, and there was this kid in the pool, face down, floating. This happens. Actually, we've known several people that this has happened. And he jumped into the pool and tried to resuscitate the child, couldn't resuscitate the child. The ambulance was called, and when... Um, he got to the hospital. His wife was called from work, and she joined him. And the medical staff was shocked. Because what could a woman say to her husband? She could have said, you weren't watching him. You know, what, was, what were you thinking? She could have been very, just, you know, so unkind. Instead, she kept tapping him on the, on the back and saying, I know you did your best. I know you didn't do this purposely. I know that um, this is a terrible time, and I'm sorry that you have to go through it. And he felt so honored by that. And the medical staff was in shock about how well she had treated him. 
Wouldn't it be nice if we planned, even when we're having a difficult time, to be kind to our spouse? So when you're committed to somebody, it's uh, very important that you have a plan because you're not going to always feel it when you need it. Hey, another thing is that couples who are committed have often talked about it and planned about it. They've said there isn't going to be a divorce. This is what we've decided. This is not going to be how it is. And it doesn't matter that somebody's had a problem or whatever. They've decided that they're going to get through it. And there are people who've said it but haven't always meant it, and so they found that there's a big difference. Okay. Would it be fair to say to your spouse, and if you're with them right now, think about it. I'm going to love you even if you don't deserve it. What if we only prayed when we felt like it? Do everybody, does everybody here feel like praying all the time? I get in such a hurry, I just don't really want to take the time. Like, what if we only loved somebody when we felt like it? We need to be recognizing that feelings are not going to help us with our marriages. By the way, have you committed to your marriage today? Have you decided that you're not going to give up? God rewards us, and he does heal relationships, so it's very important. If I say... In my mind, the person that I'm married to might be the wrong person. What will happen to the way I'm thinking? That a self-fulfilling prophecy, I'm probably going to look for just the evidence that shows that I'm right on the way I'm thinking, and I'm not going to talk about any of the good things. I'm going to discount those, and I'm only going to collect the bad things. So Mrs. White actually said, Never say that you made a mistake. She said, always plan to just continue on knowing that God will help you with whatever's going on. So um, at this time, I have an illustration, and I, I hope that you will all help me. Will you all help me with your answers? So I have a friend named Kim. She was mortified that I asked her to come to a marriage retreat because she's single, a marriage time. But she is my gardener. I mean, I, we did Bible studies together and she got baptized. And like, this is the kind of person that you find is somebody who loves to garden and wants to know if they can come over and work in your garden and pull your weeds. Isn't that pretty shocking? Yeah. Wash your dishes too if you're having a party or anything, like whatever. So I would like you to get out um, your illustrations and we're going to talk about it here in just a minute. And I'm going to have all of my friends here. Are you all my friends? She said, some of you don't know me. I'm like, can you be my friend anyway and help me? So I would like you to show us what you're going to do. Okay, so we got pot number one, and we're going to be working on that. Oh, wait, she put the potting soil in her container. So, you know, Jesus talked about parables quite a bit. What could the potting soil represent in marriage? It's the fertile part. Yeah, you work in you work in the greenhouse. You were at one time. Like you, the soil is like. I, go ahead. It. Oh, did you hear that? She said it's the work you do before your marriage. It's preparing the soil. So if you had a young couple that were getting married, what would you encourage them to do? 
Make new potting soil. Very, very good, but okay. Anything else? How about premarital counseling, getting to know each other, spending time together? Wouldn't that be really important? Okay. And, getting, and finding out their love languages, that's really good so they can meet their love languages because sometimes we meet only people's love languages when we think they're ours instead of theirs. So, and so the soil is the fertile thing that we're going to be putting something in. Okay, so now the next part she's going to do is she's, oh, she made a little hole and she's pouring in seeds. Oh. Did you really select impatience? <laughs> did, you have to, did you have to choose impatience for this? You know what? That's an illustration in itself, isn't it? What's the problem when we plant impatience? What was that? Yeah, we don't know if we're going to read patience. So in other words, sometimes we are... Are we not planting impatient seeds? I really don't, didn't know we were going to have impatient seeds. But anyway, but when we plant impatient seeds, we, you know, many of us have already got little seedlings in us. And every day is a new day and God can change our heart. And impatience is certainly a big problem in our, in our marriages. So important that we put the seeds in. What would the seeds, planting seeds, have to do with marriage? Hmm? We, we need to grow our marriages, right? So at the very beginning, our marriage... By the way, how many of you have been married 30 years or more? Was the first half of your marriage different? Did you need to have some things that you needed to change and work on? So you needed to grow, grow into it, and hopefully you grew into some... You did some better things. Okay, so she planted the seeds into the dirt and now she's using, what is it? Plant fertilizer. Hey, what does that illustrate? Hmm? There's all kinds of things you could think of, right? Is it reading the Bible together? It's something that encourages it, but it could be intimacy. It could be, it could be making sure, what else? Date night, it could be that you're adding to it. Uh-oh, now here she comes with that big bucket and she's going to water the seed. What does that illustrate? Kind of, now what happens if she waters it too much? Causes a problem, doesn't it? What if she waters it too little? It won't grow? What if she waters it just right? Yeah, it'll become beautiful. And so how can we water our marriages? By planting seeds of patience, right? <laughs> How'd you like that? <laughs> um, anything else? Being intentional and doing the good things that you want to do, right? All right. And how about, uh, did you know how much we are negative? I was, we're going to be, we're working in another seminar on anxiety. And we're going to be working on ants. Ants are our automatic negative thoughts. So, the opposite is what we need to be doing in our marriages. Is there, what would you need to do if you're doing the opposite? You would say something positive. 
how many of you feel good when somebody compliments you? Isn't it good when you know that somebody admires you and thinks well of you? Do you know that even the person that you may have lots of problems with, you can usually think of something positive to say? Actually, I've had people who come in about problems with an employer or with um, a fellow employee, and, and they've had a really hard time, but just by being positive and, and giving them an encouragement or an encouraging word, that has been really good. Uh-oh, we need something more. Okay, I only had an orange pen in my trailer, okay? She's like, oh, she's like, it's all orange. I'm like, make sure they see it, right? Do they see it? Oh, yes. So who is the sunshine that puts sunshine on our relationships? Yes, don't we want the sun to be in blessing our relationship? Do you know that couples who are Christians rarely read the Bible together and pray? Did you know that? And when you hear about, oh, they're keeping the same amounts of divorces going with um, Christians versus non-Christians, when you ask Christian couples, do you pray? Do you do devotionals together? Do you pray for each other? Most of them say no. But when they did a study on them at Moody Institute in the Chicago area and they followed couples for 30 years, if they had prayer and devotionals three to five times per week over those periods of time, that only 1 in 1,100 divorce. Did you know that? Why is it that when we have all the power of heaven that we neglect this very important thing? I've had people go, but I feel threatened. I just don't feel right praying in front of my spouse. And I'm just like, then pray for them. Are you praying for them? Well, no, I haven't really. Or I even would ask them after a marriage counseling thing, have you, um, when they come back, did you pray for your husband? Because we asked you to pray three times a day. Well, you know, I did it once. Or, you know, I, I prayed for him when I had grace. And I'm like, can't you pray? So important. Another thing in my anxiety seminar is that just praying is so healthy for us that we are really losing a lot of power and a lot of healthy things by not praying enough. So, okay, so we've got this one plant. It's probably a new marriage that's being developed, and it will develop or it won't develop if we take good care of it. Oh, here we go. We're in with plant number two. Here's one that got a little bit neglected. Oh, how many of you have plants at home that look like that? What is apathy? Not doing anything? If you have an apathetic... Um, if you're apathetic about your house, how will it look? Messy, weeds are growing, doors hanging off, whatever. If you're apathetic about your car, what will it look like? Stuffed with papers and cans and dirty, maybe rusty, hasn't been taken care of. If you have an apathetic marriage, what does it look like? You don't take care of each other, you don't show an interest, you don't spend time together, like we're talking about the opposites of what we want to do. And what happens in a garden when you're apathetic about your plants? The weeds take over. Are the weeds a big, I mean, aren't there pretty weeds? Aren't there weeds that smell good? What happens when we have too many weeds in our garden? I remember my husband and I, we were at Pacific Union College, and we took gardening together. Boy, that should have almost ended our courtship right there. We planted carrots, and we had so many weeds 
And he said, oh, how, like, I hadn't spent, you know, the, I guess I wasn't there for a day. And he came back and he couldn't believe all the weeds in it. And so he, he kind of got disgusted with me. And he said, I just can't believe you let all these weeds grow up. And I'm like, you mean there's only two carrots and there's like 50 weeds? And like, why don't we just pull the carrots and give it to the weeds? And he's like, that is not okay. He, I said to him, didn't you have second thoughts about marrying me? He said, there were times. Yeah, there were times. But what's important for us to do? Take out the weeds. Oh, take out the weeds. Hey, you know what? Do you mind if I, I get a little busy? You know what? I don't like how his hair looks today. You know what? I don't think he dressed very nice. Why isn't he wearing that shirt I gave him for his birthday? You know what? He's really annoying me today. I should clip back his... Oh. And pull it out. You know, why should I... You know, he's not really that nice to me all the time, so... Why should I water and put sunshine on it? This is just ridiculous. This is crazy. Which one would you want? That one? What happens when we just keep cutting at each other, insulting each other, hurting each other? Is this going to grow? Actually, there was a research person who said that he watched couples and he could for sure prophesy whether they were going to get divorced or not. And one of the things is when they invalidated each other. When somebody would say, like, I'm hurting, and they'd go, oh, no, that, you're not hurting. This is, like, really? Or they, they'd say, you know, I wish that um, we could go on a vacation. they go, you know, I'm too busy. And so, like, they constantly never showed an interest in what the other person was saying. And so when they watched couples in the lab who talked like that, they said that almost 100% of them divorced within a couple of years. Well, now then, here we are. We're good people, and we've done everything. What did we do to make our flower healthier? Come on, you have a good marriage. What did you do to make it, the flower healthier? What did you do? You, you what? Weekends away. Okay, I thought you said weekend and away. Okay. She weakens, she took weekends away with her husband. Okay, what else would we do? Go for walks, by the way. Did you know that couples, when they walk together, the serotonin goes into their brain and they feel good and they usually quit complaining, they leave everything behind, and actually couples that walk together are happy? Did you know that? Serotonin's in their brain and they're spending time together and they just feel like the other person's making them happy. That's good. What else? So study your mate to try and please them and learn their love languages. You know, I said, they can't fire me because we're going to be retiring, right? So I'm like, I'm going to tell you some of the same things that I've told other people. My husband used to give me flowers all the time. I hate getting flowers. They stink. You said, yes, there's another woman out there that's unusual. Not weird, just unusual. You know what? The, that flower water would get yellow and it would stink like a sewer and all the petals would fall on my countertop and then I would have to throw that stinking water and flower away and I didn't like it. And then when we got the love languages, remember that? It was in the 90s. We read that and I'm like, my husband likes gifts. Well, that's okay. 
You know what I'm going to do? He's at the conference office. I'm going to get him a bouquet of flowers for our 30th anniversary. So they were all coming in for lunch, and I came in with the biggest bouquet of red roses, and my husband's face got red, and he started to cry, and everybody said, well, why is she giving you flowers? He said, it's our 30th wedding anniversary. It was so sweet. And I thought, that was his love language. It just wasn't mine. And so he was giving it to me thinking that I wanted that, right? He gives me chocolates, and I'm like, do you want me to gain weight? And like, I don't like gifts, okay? Don't give me gifts. So, like, we do need to learn people's love language. Is anybody else something to nurture the, the, the marriage? Come on. Everybody out there should have an answer. Something you've done to nurture your marriage. Pray together. Take vacations together. Talk kindly to each other. Compliment each other. Come on, more. Swing time. You're going on the swings together? Oh, okay. You're going to have to explain that. Oh, okay, sit on the back. Oh, you mean like couples in the country where they sit on the swing and they talk about the day? That's a good thing. That's right. Anything else? Come on, more ideas. What? What? Pray. Brag on him. Oh, where you say something nice about him in front of other people. And he's, yeah, that's true. I did, I did open the door for her once, yo. Yeah. <laughs> Anything else? Schedule intimate dates, yep. Shows that you're important, you, you find them important, that you love them and you're prioritizing them. Bring home or favorite foods. I thought that food was the way to a man's heart. But it's to your wife's heart, huh? Yeah. How about cook the, her favorite food? Yeah, but I was going to say, don't leave a mess in the kitchen. That'll undo that, right? Anything else? Massage. Oh, a massage. Actually, couples do not show enough affection. Do you know that? And many times they feel like going to home base is the only thing. There are many things on the way to that. And we need to show love by being expressive, touching each other's hands, massaging their, their, their arm, and massaging their feet, massaging their back. Oh, some people don't want to be touched. Don't do that. But anyhow, most times we are not being very affectionate, and we need to be affectionate. What does it say to our kids? Mom and dad really love each other, and they really care about each other. Kids who have no affection in their home have a really hard time with affection when they grow up, so remember that you are showing them what to do. Anything else? Keep your, keep your home orderly. That's really important. Actually, that's very important to a man that his wife does that. That's one of the things that his needs, her needs. That's on that list. Forgiveness. Not bringing up old stuff and saying, you know, when you did that only three years ago, I remind, it was reminding me of what you did today. <laughs> Not a good thing, right? What else? Oh, this is a huge issue right now is technology. I have lots of people that tell me they're irritated because their spouse is on their phone all night. And then if we talk about it, they go, well, you're, you were on your phone too. And like we go back and forth. Like put it on airplane mode when you're, you're going to dinner or when you're going to be home and you're going to be doing things. Boy, we're going to be really worried about what's behind that towel. And now behind door number one. 
is a healthy marriage. This is what looks like. That's what you were doing is you were cultivating the flower, taking time with the flower. You were working with that flower and making it healthy. Isn't that a wonderful thing? Which flower would you like? This one or this one? And so recognize that whatever you do makes it better. And many people go, oh, I don't know what the secret is to marriage counseling. It's called doing something about it. That's the trick. There isn't anything special. There are three things that we need to know about commitments. There is the moral commitment to God, which is I ought to stay committed to my wife. That's when you realize that God really wants you to be committed, it's very important. You believe that staying in your marriage is the right thing to do and that you made a commitment before God and you want to keep your word. Then there's the structural commitment, I have to. That's not very good, is it? I have to. Till death do us part. That's me holding on to that, that ski thing in the water and just pulling on it and knowing that we're not going anywhere. But the third thing is the agape love commitment, which is God had mercy on me. I'm going to have mercy on my spouse. I'm forgiven. I need to forgive my spouse. Because God loves me, I can love my spouse. Even if my spouse didn't make me happy today and I didn't feel loving, I'm going to act in a different way. There are many books that are about commitment. One of them is um, Cherish. That's an excellent book. Um, those are books that are helpful. Somebody talked about the love languages. There are many books that can help you with your decision. Did you all get your handouts also? There are things in there because when you make a commitment, if you recognize that you're going to live with your person for as long as they live, you certainly want to improve your marriage. So I thank you for coming today. I hope that you will make a commitment to your marriage. And I pray that um, you won't just let your feelings be your guide, but you will let your commitment be your guide in many ways. And I know that there are people who are struggling with very difficult marriages, but these are for people who just don't feel that they always get what they want in their marriage. And so that's completely different than when we have somebody who is broken and going to hurt us or whatever in some way. But we can commit. God is committed to us. And we may not get all of the joys on this world. We hope you do. But if you recognize that in the world to come, we will have the most perfect relationships ever. Father, I just want to pray for each person here, married, those who are getting married, those who are no longer married, those who are not married. I pray, Lord, that our relationship with you will grow. I thank you for this camp meeting where the Holy Spirit is released and so that we can grow closer to you. I thank you, Lord, that you love us, that you want the best for us, that you gave us people to fill our hearts' needs and help us, dear Father, that we will look for love in the right places and we will recognize the gift that you've given us in the people that we're with. And dear Father, if it's a spouse, I pray that you will help us to do our part, whether we feel it or not, that you will help us to be the, the kind, loving person that takes the higher road. And dear Father, for those who are in marriages where they are um, working together and, and focusing on their marriage, I pray that you'll make them serious and intentional about saving their marriages and making them work. And I thank you, Lord, for this conference that believes in 
um, enhancing marriages, and I pray for the programs that they'll be developing in the next few years. In your holy name, amen. To listen to more of these presentations, you may visit the audio archives at misda.org slash audio2021 or search for Michigan Conference Camp Meeting wherever you get your podcast.